Hey everyone, we love the Faithful Agent community and we want to continue to give away and pour into you as much as we can totally for free. One of the ways you financially support the work that we're doing is when you have a buyer or seller referral headed to Hampton Roads or Richmond, Virginia, send them to my team. Not only will you get great experience for your clients, you'll also be helping the mission of the Faithful Agent at the same time. Just go to faithfulagent.com backslash referral or text me 757 26 Now, on to the show. A friend recently asked whether I saw myself still living in Minneapolis five years from now. I had no compelling reason to say no. No alluring job prospects, no deep stirrings for change, no clear path from here to elsewhere. I had several significant reasons to say yes. We owned a home here. Our children were born here. I work and pastor here. Still, I hesitated. Others in my generation probably resonate. Unlike our grandparents or even our parents, we grew up breathing the air of transience. As young adults, we dwell in tents, not houses, always ready to pull up the stakes, often feeling we are on our way to somewhere that's not here. The idea of settling down for 50 years in the same neighborhood, job, or church can make our clothes feel scratchy. We move among our elders as tumbleweeds through redwoods. No doubt there are good and godly reasons to live lightly upon the earth, prepared for God to send us elsewhere. But I I wonder how often we are blown less by the wind of the spirit and more by the wind of our endlessly unsettled age. I wonder too how a renewed mind rooted more deeply in God's word might discern the spiritual wisdom of staying put. Perhaps the Bible's most explicit teaching about staying and going appears in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 17 to 24, where Paul three times counsels the Corinthian believers to remain where they are. Verse 17, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Verse 20, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now, Paul wrote these words into a context quite different from our own. Some Corinthian believers, it seems, wondered if becoming a Christian necessitated a change in life status. Does Christian faithfulness require the uncircumcised to receive circumcision or bond servants to seek freedom? Paul, while endorsing helpful life changes in verse 21, nevertheless reassures the church that they can serve Jesus fruitfully wherever they're found. So three times he says, stay. From DesiringGod.com, written by Scott Hubbard. That's good stuff right there. You know, what's funny uh, is Tyler, after we read those, he tends to just look at me and I'm like, dude, I know that was good, but we got to start talking, right? (laughs) So he's just sitting there. So audience, guess what? We have a special guest host today, Cole Ordaway. You probably heard him on an episode previously. There's a right way or wait, what was it? There's a wrong way and there's an order way. That's, that's yeah, what the saying is. There's the wrong way and then there's the order way. We've got a good brother in Christ who is joining us, filling in for Tyler, who has less important things to do, but he's blowing me off. So we got to give him some junk for that. Uh, but Cole, man, I'm glad that you're here as my special guest host, buddy. Uh, Cole lives out in North Carolina, way out in the western side of the state he's an amazing guy and uh, was a former teacher got some kiddos you're going to get to know a little bit about him but let's dive into this topic cole super excited to get into it david tunnicliffe from our community oh sorry david you're british david i can't do a british accent david tunnicliffe i I, I have no no idea that That was was terrible i let's just leave it in there um 
But David wrote this in, and thank you, buddy. Again, if you guys have thoughts or ideas or questions or whatever, please put them in the Facebook chat or message me directly, whatever. We want to talk about what matters to you all. But he put in this question, and I hope, David, that we're going to answer what you're hoping that we're going to answer. But you wrote, how do you know your path and vision and stick to it, even as you see others, quote, winning? How do we not abandon the path that the Lord has laid out for us, even if someone else is going faster? And Cole and I kind of interpret this a little differently. And so we're gonna share our thoughts on uh, on what this looks like and what we think that means. And I hope that that excerpt that I read from, uh, from desiringgod.com gives us a good idea of uh, this calling to sometimes we're called to just stay the course, right? That was specifically about moving. So, so I understand that, but, but this is this idea of you're on a path, you're on this course. Uh, should we stay the course or should we move? So man, Cole, you've been in real estate now for a couple of years and uh, it is the way I interpret that is it's uh, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're being faithful in what you're trying to do. But this non-believer uh, next to you, quote unquote, your, your colleague is running much quicker than you because maybe they're cutting corners or uh, maybe they're doing things that you would never do. They might not even be sinful things, but maybe they're just doing stuff. I, I've got a, a buddy uh, here uh, in my office who uh, I love him. Uh, he's not a believer and uh, he's getting really far ahead. Why? Because he's gone constantly from his wife and four kids um, because he's at trainings all the time. And man, I, I'm hopeful that he and his wife have figured that out and that's good for them. And that's okay. That doesn't mean in and of itself is sinful, but I'm not going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I desire to be present with my family, but there are times where sinfully I desire, man, why can't I just be like him? I wish I could just go and do whatever I wanted and get to do all those things, right? So that's how I uh, interpret this, but what do you think, Cole? What do you think the question, the heart of what we're trying to get to today? Well, it's interesting because when you were when you played that little clip from Desiring God, I I just saw kind of a lack of identity. I think one of the things mm. um, was when we are so unsure of ourselves and our path, it's just because we're not um, aligning ourselves with the Lord's vision of our lives, right? Because I think if we were if we were so in tune with who the Lord is and um, his involvement in our life. I don't think that we would be questioning, like, do I stay in Minneapolis? Do I cut corners? Uh, We would have this, don't you think so? We'd have a clearer vision. Hmm. I mean, that's absolutely. I I think there is exactly what you said. There's this aspect of, well, we all do it in every aspect of our lives, right? We we uh, we covet because we do not have it and we think we should, right? The Lord clearly hasn't given me that good gift, so I should go get it for myself, right? We think that all the time. And so it is this challenge maybe with God's providence, uh, right? That, well, the Lord's in control and it's not, you know, I've said many times here and, and when I'm coaching, uh, your job is obedience, not outcome, right? Yeah. So you can't control what the outcome is. You can control whether you're obedient to what the Lord has called you to uh, in that space. So, man, I mean, uh, as we wrestle this, but but you've seen it, no doubt, right? You've been in the industry long enough where you see um, um, the the quote unquote, what scripture say, the wicked are, are prospering and and, and the faithful aren't, right? Maybe it's not that, it's such a dichotomy like it was in the Old Testament, right? But but there are challenges to look around and see all these people doing all these things and crushing it. And you know, and you wonder in your heart, why is this person who I imagine is doing things they shouldn't do? And if they're not a follower of Christ, they are an enemy of God. That's what biblical uh, uh, definition of that person. Why are they being allowed to succeed? Maybe I should do what they do right? I mean, you've seen that. What do you think about that? I imagine you've seen it. Yeah. And I, 
I think to ask the question, what is it you want? And then get into like, why, you know, if, if you're envious of, of whomever of Garrett, because he's doing X amount of more transactions or, or whatever, um, why are you envious? Like, what are you missing in your life that, that maybe God wants to, to fill? Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think you're just missing what the Lord is calling you to. And I think of like your, um, your coworker who's kind of missing some aspects of, of that family life that maybe you are like, there's no way I could just leave my kids and my wife the way that he does. Um, but you're envious of the transactions and the the money and the blah, 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 or the energy. Um, but I would ask myself if, if that guy is married, David, um, ask yourself, is that what my wife wants? Is that the man that my wife wants? Or if he has kids, like I would ask my daughter, Eden, is this the man that you want me to be? Or is there someone else? Um, is this the type of man that I wouldn't want Eden to marry or would I want the, the man to be honoring and truthful and a man of high integrity? And I think we know the answer to that. Too many agents are feeling the weight of inauthentic action. Too many agents are bogged down with bad clients and ignoring their families. Too many agents are waking up each day, stepping into the hamster wheel and chasing an unending cycle. Well, it's time to step into something greater, my friends and fellow agents. That's why we introduced the Faithful Agent Group Coaching. If you've desired to know your God-given gifts and how to use those to build a God-honoring business, or if you long to be challenged, encouraged, and taught by other brothers and sisters in Christ who know not only your work, but also your heart, reach out to us for a call. We'd love to show you the power of a group of like-minded believers coming together to become more excellent in their work and their faith. If you want to learn more, visit faithfulagent.com backslash chat to grab a time to talk with me. Now back to the show. I've been thinking so much about, I mean, you talked about the identity question, right? Uh, Because I think you're right. It's It's not this wrestling with well, it, it, yes, I want what they have, or I see them winning, and so it's a struggle of of not leaving the path that I'm on. I think it's a deeper question of, is the Lord really able to satisfy uh, all that I need, right? Is he yeah. really uh, going to be uh, uh, the fulfillment? It's a contentment question. It is a contentment question, which ironically you said, hey, we already talked about contentment on the show, right? When you yeah. came on, you're like, let's not do that again. But, you know, I've been having this thought that's been running through my head. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, my grandmother passed away. We we uh, had her memorial two days after Christmas. My mom passed last year, right? So I've been in this Ecclesiastes mindset a lot, right? Everything is meaningless. It's all worthless, all those things. Yeah. That's not oh, true, man. right? That's not true. But uh, I had this moment, Cole, where we're standing uh, at the graveside uh, where my uh, grandfather was buried and she was going to be buried next to him. Well, next to him, to his to his left, right? To, to the, uh, he, he's already buried. Uh, but to the left of him is his father. His father's name is Harvey Reidinger. And his father passed away in like the very early 1900s. And I remember having this super clear thought of, uh, number one, uh, I don't know Harvey. Like he's my great grandfather. There is no emotion attached to his passing, right? I don't know anything about him. I wish I did. I didn't know anything about him. He might've done amazing stuff. He, he might've been a super successful real estate agent for all I know. Who knows what he did, all of these things that he may have accomplished in his life. Uh, but, but the reality that hit me was in a hundred years, in 150 years, my great grandkids are gonna say that about me. Who is great grandfather Garrett? Who is that, right? And, and here's the point, here's why I say that. 
I can get stuck thinking that history is about me. History is about Christ. History is being written about Christ. It's been about Christ. It will continue to be about Christ. History is not being written to tell my story. And in this identity question, in this looking to my neighbor and seeing what, they're, what they have and potentially coveting and wanting to do those same things, go on all those trips, go on all those trainings, all this stuff. Um, why is that? Exactly what you said. Is that because I think that history should be told about my life? And if I achieve some sort of great thing that my name will go down forever in history, whatever that is, right? Is that really why? What is the root of our desire to do something else? What is the root of our desire to not, as he said in, in that uh, excerpt that I read, to not plant ourselves in the same church with the same people and be super, super faithful, right? I think it's because... There's a lot of reasons. For me, if I'm totally honest, I battle the Lord for glory all the time. I'm writing this book. We're doing this podcast. We're going the faithful agent. Just yesterday, guys, uh, uh, audience listening, this is total transparency, total honesty. Just yesterday, I'm sitting down. I'm doing thinking time about the faithful agent. How do we grow the community? Because I care about growing the community. And I remember there was a moment where my heart literally got convicted. And, and, it, and I, I felt this way. And, and what came to mind is, Garrett, be careful. You don't turn this into something about profit more than the gospel, right? Be careful because your heart will take you there. And I think it is this lack of identity, it's this longing to think that there's something the Lord has not given us. So therefore that person must have figured out I should follow them. What do you think, Cole? I said a lot of words, but what do you think, man? Yeah, well, oh, so much there to, to unpack. I think I just want to now go into a cemetery and just walk around. Um, <laughs> You know, that might a, be creepy, a, but but in, yeah, in a non weird way. way. Yeah, non-weird he's from North way. Carolina in the mountains, guys. Get, they, they don't have a lot to do. All right, give, oh, give come a break. on, come on now. <laughs> um, no, it reminded me of the of a poem called "The Dash" by Linda Ellis. You ever hear of it? Mm, I haven't. Um, you know, it starts with I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. Um, one of the stanzas says, for that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. Wow. And, and it's a long poem. So after this podcast, you got to go read it. But it, it ends with, so when your eulogy is being read with your life's action to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spend your dash? Wow. Jeez. It's a good thing we have an English uh, teacher on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, Tyler wouldn't have done that. Think, <laughs> no, no, he's doing less important things. Right, but, right that's right. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it makes me think about. And and mm. I want to read one of the books that I have on my on my tab right now is I think it's End with Zero or Die with Zero. You ever hear mm. that book? I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a, it just you know it's basically I think it's a worldly perspective. Ecclesiastes. He just doesn't want to leave his kids with anything because that means he lived his life so well that he poured everything into his kids, whether that was money or the time and the resources so that now they get to go and do the same. And so mm. that's a challenge that I've been been working and living with too. I think going back to that original question, okay, let's go back to that question for David is what's the point? Um, what's the point of us striving so hard? And, and, but at the same time, we have been given these gifts to steward well, to take care of what, you know, God's creation and our kids and our business, not to just throw it away in vain, but to be reflective enough to say, okay, I'm not going to throw away throw it away, but I'm also not going to make it my God. Mm. I think there's, number one, I love that poem, uh, man, and that just how to spin your dash is such a powerful imagery. But exactly what you said, it, it is, 
we are called to leave an inheritance to our children and our children's children, right? Everyone assumes, I think, that, oh, it's just money. That's not all that it's talking about. It's the inheritance of the way that we desire to live. It's, it's this manifesto on what we believe a Christian life looks like, right? And there are aspects of that uh, where David, actually at the time of recording this, I think he is due with their third or fourth kid, right? Any day now, which is awesome. Super excited for him. We need more kids that speak British or whatever the term is. Sound British. <laughs> I, I don't know, but they have awesome accents. If I had a British accent, man, my life would be way better, right? It just would. Everything, everybody every would, door everybody would, come would open. Down, bow down oh, at you oh and my be gosh. Like, Sell my house. Oh. <laughs> That's totally, I like, how is that not an unfair advantage? Victoria Rowe, who's in our community, who's British, how's that not an unfair advantage, <laughs> right? You just got this, it doesn't matter. Anyways, that and Australian. Australian accents are awesome. Anyways, I digress. But but the point is this, like he, he is in this position and yes, you uh, might look at my buddy, who's out there and traveling the world, jet setting and learning all of this amazing stuff and exactly what you said, Cole, and is, and is growing his wealth and, and building his team. And he might be doing a good job being a, a, a dad to his kids. I, I'm not, I can't, I don't know, I'm not there, uh, but he's not there that much either. And so, but the question is, what kind of inheritance is he going to leave? Now, is he going to leave more money than he came with? Probably, um, uh, leave them with more money than he started with, probably. Is he going to leave them with an inheritance of what a good life looks like? Right now, certainly by the Lord's grace, he will become a believer uh, and he's heard the gospel before. So by the Lord's kindness, he will. Um, but if he doesn't, what kind of inheritance is he leaving? A life that is about yourself, a life that is for your own glory, a life as if uh, exactly what you said, the dash is about telling your history. No offense. No one's going to tell your history uh, 200 years from now. No one's going to be talking about us, even the men and the women that we still talk about. Guess what? Uh, in um, man, I believe it's in Genesis. I could be wrong. It's Genesis, Deuteronomy, maybe. But it goes through this genealogy after Adam, and it's like Enoch lived for nine hundred years and he died. Right? Seth lived for nine hundred years and he died. Methuselah nine hundred years and he died. Right? What is the point of that passage? That hey, guess what? None of these people are the Christ. The, the Christ is the one who will come and will live for yet, forever because he's been here forever, Alpha and Omega. And so the identity piece, to bring it back to what you talked about, Cole, is the question I think here is when we see the people around us that are winning, when we see the people around us that are doing amazing things, it is natural for our hearts to long for those things too. And I think, now you, you tell me your opinion, Cole, I think it's not necessarily a sinful thing for you to desire those things. It is sinful for you to just say, I'm gonna go get it for my own glory, right? Uh, super quick example. I uh, was getting ready to go this weekend. Tomorrow was going to leave for this uh, financial freedom conference, which I love. I love these guys. I love this community. Wealth, Wealth, Wall Street. I'm part of uh, Joey Murray. We've had him on the podcast. And uh, uh, but but I was going to leave. And as I worked through, I wrestled with it. I didn't understand why am I wrestling with this? I've gone to conferences before. I've gone to this conference multiple times. I'm wrestling with it, Cole. And I, I come to, uh, it was a couple of nights ago. I come to this realization and I tell my wife, hey, I'm not going to go. She says, why are you not going to go? I think this would be great for you. And I said, because 
I gave myself the time to search my own heart. And in total honesty, the reason I wanted to go, because I just wanted to get away from responsibility of kids. And I just wanted to have time to myself. And not that that in itself is sinful. Don't hear me say that, right? It's okay if that's what it is. But my motivation was sinful. It was totally about myself. I was telling her it would have been about learning and finances and all this stuff. That's not at all what it, I just wanted to get away, right? As if I could run away from my problems instead of pay attention to them and seek the Lord to help me work through those, right? And show up better for my kids, not be burned out by X, Y, and Z. Um, and so it was that recognition in my own heart. Point being, when we see what other people are doing and we desire to do those things in and of itself, not sinful, but we've got, uh, our heart is, is in, uh, in, incredibly wicked. We cannot trust it. We must seek and understand what is really going on here, right? I feel like this whole episode is me just confessing all these terrible things about myself. Uh, but hey, guess what? This is a faithful agent. We're Christians. We know we're all sinners. This is how That's this right. works, right? But uh, man, what, what are your final thoughts on this? Oh man. Okay. So, so many things. Again, um, one of the words that you said was inheritance. Mm-hmm. And I, anytime that I hear the word inheritance, um, I think of Jonathan Edwards. Do you know Jonathan Edwards? Yes. The preacher? Sure. Yeah. Do you know his, do you know his family history and his inheritance and his legacy? I don't think so. Okay. I'm going to read this to you because this is mind blowing. There was a study done in the early 1900s. I think it was the year 1900 mm-hmm. when the state decided to study um, people who were costing the state and families that were costing the state tons of money, right? Whether that's through jail time or negligence or, or things like that, right? And then they also tr- wanted to study um, not people who were costing the state, but people who um, had generations of familial success in terms of the state and also just like producing generational blessing, okay? Mm-hmm. So- one of the families was Jonathan Edwards. Now we know that Jonathan Edwards was not born in 1900, but this is at this point, hundreds of years later, this is the type of family and type of people that Jonathan and Sarah Edwards produced. You ready for this? Yeah. 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 75 military officers, 80 public servants, 60 authors, 60 doctors, 30 judges, 100 pastors, 100 lawyers, three United States senators, and a vice president of the United States of America. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) So anytime that I hear the word inheritance, I go back and I actually read the the biography of Sarah Edwards thinking like, okay, what did they do differently? Mm. Mm. And uh, that's who I want to emulate, you know, because even, I mean, they're, in my opinion, they're the most successful family in the United States history. That's That's who I want to emulate. But even then, nobody really knows about him. Mm. Right. This incredible pastor, this incredible man of God. I didn't know his wife's name, you know, and, and I'm relatively read up in church history. Uh, man, that's incredible. I, I think it comes back to this, uh, this concept. You go, I don't know where he's buried. And if you can even see his gravestone anymore, you go and you stand at his gravestone and, and his wife, Sarah's, and you look at that dash and you think that's a life well lived to the glory of God. Right. And guess who no one's thinking about anymore? I mean, some people, Jonathan Edwards, we just talked about him. The point is, though, the history that was being written was still about Christ. Right. The history that was being written in his life was not to bring him glory. He was never going to become eternal and become someone that we worship. That's not true. He was made from dust. He was going back to the dust. So are we. So when we think about this concept, when, when David asked this, uh, this right question, how do we keep our, ourselves in alignment with where the Lord's calling us on the path? 
that we believe the Lord is calling us. You ask yourself the question, how am I going to spend that dash, right? At the end of your days, the, the Ecclesiastes mindset, again, not everything is meaningless. This is him wrestling through it. But at the end of your days, will it have mattered that you did 50 deals or 20 deals or 10 or whatever? Will it have mattered that you grew a, a massive big team or, or not? Will it matter what ranking you were in the real estate office? And none of those things will matter what will matter at the end of your days is the legacy of the gospel that was left in the family and generations to come. Exactly what you're talking about, Cole. That's what will matter. So the question, when we see those people around us achieving things that we wish we could achieve, uh, but we don't believe it's the path, the question is, whose life am I living? Am I living my own life or am I living the life the Lord has given me? Right? And if I am, if I am, and I ask myself the right question, I will respond appropriately. I'm not going to live perfectly by any means. I will respond appropriately, right? So agents, uh, I hope this was helpful, David. I hope this was helpful. Uh, Cole, man, awesome guest hosting. Well done. Maybe we need to kick Tyler out. Uh, we love Tyler. Uh, but man, the, the concept of how do you spin your dash, right? Super, super important. Agents, we hope that you will spend a little bit of your dash with us in the faithful agent community, being surrounded by believers to help you and help each other stay focused on the path the Lord has put before us. Thanks as always for tuning in. We love you. Faithful agents, we will see you next week. Hey, Faithful Agents, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope it encouraged you to both grow your business and your faith. And as always, make sure you share this episode with a friend who you think would be encouraged by it. And join us on our Facebook group if you aren't there yet to come together with the other Faithful Agents around the country. Just go to facebook.com and search The Faithful Agent. And if you want to be encouraged more locally, because after all, local groups is where the real growth and change happens, go to Faithful agent.com backslash local groups to check out what we've got going on. And if there isn't a group near you, you can reach out to us right there and tell us you're interested in starting your own. Thank you as always for tuning into this episode. We hope to see you next week.